Hello and welcome back to another episode of the 100k Freelancer Club podcast. Today we're going to be talking about client pitches, how to do them, the good, the bad, the ugly, the mistakes we've made, the potential mistakes you've made and just having yeah, a general chat about it. Here with me as always is Niall in Manchester. How are you doing, Niall? Hello. Yeah, very good, mate. There's going to be a lot of ugly. You say the good, the bad, the ugly. There is a lot of ugly. And don't be afraid to make mistakes. That's my kind of first message of the podcast. <laughs> oh, mate, yeah, there's going to be a lot of ugly, especially coming from an ugly man like myself. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, if you're new here, remember to subscribe to the podcast if you're on Apple, uh, the iTunes or whatever it's called nowadays, Apple Podcasts, iTunes Podcasts, you know, whatever that thing's called, Spotify, just make sure you go and subscribe. You can hit us up on the socials as well at 100k freelancer club on instagram and now without all that intro jazz that i'm not gonna lie pretty terrible at um <laughs> let's <laughs> let's jump straight in uh basically the, the, there's two there's two sides of this right because we've got your experiences and my experiences and we've had quite different experiences because of the fields we're in right for me it's usually mm. especially in the younger half of my career or the younger part of my career i should say it was more micro pitches for small projects five hundred dollars a thousand dollars i don't know why i'm using dollars nowadays but you know five hundred pounds a thousand pounds like these small pitches quite frequently a few times a month whereas with you it's been with you know bigger clients these corporations like the bbc where there's maybe multiple stages to um to the pitch yeah you know all this sort of stuff so so we're, we're, we're sort of uh we'll touch over all those points because there's going to be freelancers listening to this that are going to be targeting smaller clients bigger clients medium clients but you name it we've probably got that experience so i'll start with asking you what was your worst experience? What's the worst experience you've had with a pitch? Well, um, there's been a few. So obviously in what I do as a freelance broadcaster, so working in radio and TV, my kind of specialism is football, sport and football, in particular football. So it's actually quite hard to pitch anything really. So in terms of a pitch, it's not like you're going into a meeting or a Zoom call as it would be now and you're saying, right, here's what we can offer you here's what it's going to cost you, here are the benefits for you. Um, it's not quite as cut and dried as it might be in, for instance, the world of IT or web design, like what your experiences are in. For me, it's very much, it's an individual thing. It's more me on my own rather than me and my team, what we can deliver. It's more like, for instance, here's a demo of me doing some football commentary, or here's a demo of me presenting a podcast or a radio show. Here's why you should employ me on your next football match or your next radio show as your presenter or your commentator it's kind of like that so in terms of individual experiences it's probably harder to, to really pick one dodgy pitch so to speak however there has been times where just in general you're trying to bark you're trying to get a job and you're barking up the wrong tree you're emailing the wrong person or you forgot someone's name or you've just sent a really terrible demo. Now that can be a real disaster. Like, I mean, I can't think of anything specifically off the top of my head where I've had a really terrible experience of pitching. So I've been quite lucky in that sense. But certainly there's been instances where maybe I feel like I've sold myself short. And that's a horrible feeling as a freelancer because you feel like you've missed a really good opportunity. And the whole point of being a freelancer is being confident and really selling yourself. You're kind of a walking, talking CV when you're a freelancer. You really need to kind of 
put yourself out there, as we've mentioned on previous podcasts, and really sell yourself to get those clients that you desperately want. But for me, underselling yourself, that's probably the one time where I've had a bad experience where you've kind of walked away from a pitch or an interview or something like that, and you felt, did I really give them everything that I can offer? Did I really show them the best of me? And sometimes I've walked away from scenarios and and situations and thought, no, I haven't done that. And it can get it can get you down. It can eat away at you for a bit. But I think it's really important to mention that you're not going to go into every pitch every time and smash it. It's just not going to happen. Sometimes you walk out of a pitch or a meeting and you think we've absolutely hit that out of the ballpark. We are in such a good position. It couldn't have gone any better. And then there's other times where you think, well, that was a walking disaster. Um, Never want to speak about it or hear about it again and actually in a strange way some of the pitches or meetings I've been into where I felt like things have gone really positively the outcome at the end has not gone the way I wanted whereas other pitches where I thought have gone terribly have actually ended up getting me the job or getting me some work so in terms of a specific example it's probably quite hard for me to put my finger on any specific one but certainly there's been times where you kind of rush in a pitch or you're not prepared properly. I think it's worth sometimes taking that extra hour or even two hours just to make sure that you've got everything sorted heading into the pitch. Because for what I do for my job, mainly football commentary on a weekend, if I'm not prepared to do that job, you get found out very, very quickly. Uh, People think that football commentary is easy as calling names and, and shouting out who scored a goal, but it's a lot more than that. You probably do you know, a week's worth of research before you do 90 minutes of a game. So you've got five or six days of sort of really putting the hours in to get the uh, to get the um, <clears throat> the preparation done before you even do the job. And like I say, the job's only 90 minutes, 45 minutes a half uh, a soccer game. But still, you've got to put in all that preparation. You know, you've got to get your stats sorted. You've got to know the identities of the players. You've got the names and the numbers, perhaps a few facts and, uh, and bits of information to kind of keep the audience interested, particularly if you're commentating on TV or a boring game. So, you know, all of that preparation is so key. So I think in terms of a bad experience, it would be times where I've gone into pitches unprepared and probably thinking that I would just get away with it because in today's world where freelancers are even more competitive than they, they have been before that I can remember, certainly since I've been a freelancer, it's so important to make sure that you're prepared. So no specific example from me, but certainly there have been times where I've walked away from pitches and felt, oh, that didn't go great. And like you said, it is a horrible feeling, that what if, that like, oh, if I'd have just done that bit of extra research, if I'd have just performed that little bit better, you know, maybe I would have got this job, maybe I would have got that. But I think there's, because the thing is in compared to like employment when you're when you're looking for employed opportunities I know you may go through a lot of interviews in one period to get a job but you're only going through those interviews like what once every couple of years when people switch careers as a freelancer you know depending on the size of the projects you're working on but if you're Mm. say for instance a graphic designer working on you know small projects you could be pitching two, three, four times a week. So I think it's something as well that you need to, like, it's a skill that sure. you need to have, that, like the confidence and the ability to be able to pitch. And it's something you really want to get down and, like, you know, automate. Like, you want your pitch. I know, obviously, you need to pitch different things. Like, you know, each project is going to be different. But you need to have, you know, some sort of baseline 
some sort of baseline there so you're not spending hours and hours and hours every week working on pitch after pitch after pitch after pitch because you know that's that they're essentially not paid hours i know they're the ones mm. that are going to get you the job um but they're not the, like the hours that are actually paying you so you want to get that down and done um as soon as soon as possible and it, it, is there anything that scares you about pitching like do you get stage fright like what are you thinking before what fears <laughs> are going through your mind I think it's exactly what you mentioned, the fear of, of underperforming, the fear of not selling yourself. Now that I've had that feeling before coming out of interviews and pitches and I felt, oh, I really didn't do myself justice there. That's a horrible feeling, as you just said. And it's something that you don't really want to feel too often. It's something you want to avoid, if anything. And the best way to avoid that is to make sure that you do go into any pitch or interview or whatever it might be fully prepared and ready to deliver exactly what you want to deliver. Now, there will be times, like I say, where you deliver exactly what you want. It couldn't have gone any more perfectly, couldn't have gone any more smoothly, and the client just simply doesn't fancy you or isn't quite what they're looking for. And there have been situations where that's happened to me. And that can be disheartening as well. But at least you've come out of it thinking, well, I've delivered everything I can. And if it's not to their taste, then that's their loss. And I think sometimes it's important to really kind of look across what you've done and what you've achieved every now and again as well to kind of give yourself that confidence boost and think, right, well, I've done this project, I've done this project, so I'm well qualified to do this next project. In terms of delivering pitches and speaking in interviews and stuff, I wouldn't say I get nervous, um, particularly uh, to the point where I kind of about to have a breakdown. I've been quite fortunate that in my career, you know, I've been lucky to be able to speak on the radio and be behind a microphone in front of hundreds, sometimes thousands or even tens of thousands of people um, for my job, which is quite strange because obviously because it's through the medium of a microphone, you don't actually see those people listening or watching you, but you know they're there. It's almost like... Um, oh, yeah the old novel from George Orwell, 1984, where Big Brother is always watching you. Or even like the TV show, Big Brother, where you're sat in the house and you've got all these cameras when actually there's only 10 of you sat on a sofa. There's millions of people watching at home. And although that you know you can't see them, you still got that pressure from the outside. So uh, I think kind of through yeah. my career, I've been lucky really where I've kind of been able to build up that immunity, so to speak, to real devastating nerves. But then again, every time I do... Um, commentate on a weekend's football match or present a radio show or feature on TV or whatever it might be I do get nervous but I think it's uh, kind of like a positive nervousness where you know if you're not nervous you don't really care because if you, oh, it's if you that don't... old expression isn't it like if you're yeah. not nervous you're not pushing yourself hard enough if you're not out of your comfort zone you're not pushing yourself hard enough yeah, I mean, I wouldn't say, uh, you know, you're not pushing yourself hard enough personally. I think that, that that's a little bit harsh because there are people who genuinely just don't experience nerves. You know, I don't know what sort of people they are, like cyborgs or something. But, you know, <laughs> yeah. to be honest, I get nervous even now having done what I've done for, for at least six or seven years at least. So hey, I was you know, nervous I st- as st- hell just delivering the intro to this podcast, let alone <laughs> some of the big pitches that we do, you know. <laughs> exactly, mate. Exactly. And, you know, it's, it's just one of those where you will learn over time to kind of curb those nerves and and you'll know your trigger points as well. You'll start to notice as well what kind of things make you uncomfortable. Uh, and if it is delivering the speech at the start or really kind of answering those questions, some people find it easier to answer questions than they do to the actually do the delivery. Um, sometimes it's just good to practice. Even if you get a spare 10 minutes, go, go and pitch to your, your friends or your mum and dad or someone on Zoom or your other half or whatever because actually... Although that might be slightly embarrassing, it, it can be the best sort of uh, practice you can get because 
you know, if if you're afraid to pitch in front of random strangers, you're going to be even more afraid to pitch in front of people you know who might be judging you and might laugh at you. And But that's really good practice. I mean, it might sound ridiculous, but just take a pitch, five minutes, ten minutes, sit your other half down, sit your mum or dad down or whoever it might be and stand in front of them. They can sit on the sofa and you can go, right, here's my pitch for this project um you've got a budget of this almost like dragon's den the tv show you know not pitch a a wild idea like a a rubber duck that shoots flames out of its mouth or anything stupid like that just more deliver your pitch do you know what i mean and see what i think we should paint on that idea instantly but yeah carry on (laughs) (laughs) uh but yeah i mean that would be my sort of advice um in, in on that front in terms of experiences with bad pitches like i mentioned uh, earlier on in the show you've probably got a different experience of pitching to me just purely because of the different fields that we're in so i suppose i can flip that question back to you jb and say what are some of the worst experiences you've had from pitching to people oh 100 percent. some of the worst experiences are from being underprepared so like especially in the field that i work in if you're working in anything like technology based or like even like marketing the competition is fierce. So people are like really expecting a lot for you when you're going for pitches, especially if you're going for high value clients. And it's just those those feelings of going in there and you're delivering the pitch. And if it's a face-to-face pitch and you can see the real-time response of the people and you can feel it, you can feel the atmosphere and you're like, ah, oh, damn, I should, I should have put more into this. Like I can feel this is not going well. And then that starts to like impact your confidence and the whole thing just starts to... It just starts to slide downhill from there. But yeah, I, I'm, I would say I'm not the most nervous person either. When it comes to a professional situations, I think I can hold myself together really well. The nerves don't really get to me that much. I'm more of a nervous person like in person rather than I'm not like the most confident person ever like meeting new people and stuff like that. But when, when I come into professional situations, I can sort of like flick that switch, you know, become, you know, Iron Man in a sense and just nothing uh, really affects me in terms of that but I have this one really really random and weird fear every time I go to do a pitch in front of people and this is a super strange story right and it stems back from George Ward year eight English right (laughs) (laughs) which is the school we went to by the way if anyone listening who doesn't know what George Ward is you can google it if you want it doesn't exist anymore it got flattened because it was such a terrible school but that is where me and JB (laughs) earned our stripes that was our old stomping ground back (laughs) where we earned our stripes I just want to jump in with a quick question as well you texted me earlier and said oh we'll record this podcast at the top of the hour that is not a saying nobody says that I've never heard that before in my life mate I googled it I was like, what, he means now? He, he means closer to the next hour? Like, what is going on? The top of the hour <laughs> means at the start of the hour. So, like, the top of the hour would be 7 o'clock. Ah, so I was thinking if it's 6 so, o'clock now, the top of the hour would be, like, at the top, like, 6.50. You know, like... No, no. I can't <laughs> believe you've never heard of that. It is a broadcasting term, to be fair. 
But have you been living... Oh, I suppose you do play Minecraft quite a lot, so I guess you have been living under a rock. <laughs> hey, love it, love it. Well, I'll swing back Anyway, carry the, on. I'll we were talking about George Ward. We yeah. so. not nostalgia hit for a while there. So anyway, enough about my phrases. Go back to the story about us at school, because I want to hear it. All right, year eight English, okay. this. So this does relate to pitching, because it's one of those weird fears I have, and I always have to double-check. Mm. So let me give you a bit of background information. It's going to sound slightly weird but bear with me right so you know you know I'm sure every man does it but like you've got that pair of boxers that is just a bit too old you know like you should you should have been them like six months ago but you're lazy as hell so you just keep wearing them right and, and these ones specifically were just a bit too old so they were just a bit too loose at the front oh, and, no. and so basically I was in English I we just I don't know written some short story or something I don't remember uh, what it was but basically it, it was going around the class and everybody in the class had to stand up right and uh, deliver their you know their story or whatever they'd read like read it to the class or whatever right and now this this has yeah. scarred me for absolute life but I was wearing these boxes my flies were down I stood up to read this piece of paper and then let's call him let's call him little Jacob. Actually let's call him Big Jacob. Slips out straight through, straight through the hole of my boxes, straight through the things, just as I stood up. And I had to sink to the ground like a stone to cover it up. And now every oh every time I go into a pitch, literally every time I'm double checking, like quadruple checking, you know, like the old check like put them in place, tuck them in, like you know, oh zip it up. Oh, terrible mate but that's that's one of the fears that i hold with me to this very day well the fact that your pecker fell out in a school uh english lesson <laughs> no yeah. you've got to make sure that it doesn't happen in front of important clients well that's fair enough because i think experiences like that are always the way um that people kind of mold uh, how they do things um i never knew that i've known you now for 15 years and i never <laughs> knew that story yeah well, it's one of the things like when you're that age like it's the worst thing that like if it happened now like it like it's say if we were out in like a restaurant or whatever like other than it being oh, illegal no. it would probably be a bit funny like we could laugh about it like instantly but back when i was like you know like whatever you are in year i mean how old are you in year like 12 13 like 12, it was like 13, social yeah. suicide you know so like tuck that straight under like nobody nobody's talking about that no one's uh not letting that get out so so off that then you always make sure it's obviously it's ridiculous that we're even talking about this on the podcast but sure you make sure that you're wearing the right underwear for a pitch when you're delivering one oh 100 percent yeah they need to be new <laughs> tight no way they're letting anything slip and you know when like some of the players right on in football run onto the pitch they do that they have that like you know, little ritual where they run on, they grab a bit of grass and they do the, you know, the head, the crossover, yeah, the shoulder yeah. thing. My walk into yeah. a pitch is that double check, zip up, walk into the pitch room. Bang, <laughs> ready to go. Ready to go. But from this, wow. let's jump on, let's transition. Okay. What are your top tips for delivering a pitch to a client? Uh, be confident in what you've written on your notes if you've got any notes or whatever you've got in your head be confident on it because at the end of the day you know what you're good at you know your own skills if you don't sound confident and you I mean, this is a difficult thing to say to be it's hard to go to someone you should be more confident because it's such a hard thing to kind of quantify how do you exude yeah. confidence how do you show that to people it is genuinely difficult to kind of put your finger on 
where you draw self-belief from. So I think it's important for people to really believe what they've written down because if you don't really believe it yourself, then how are the people you're pitching to going to believe it in terms of what you're offering them? So, I mean, one of my top tips would be really kind of back yourself. I know it's such a hard thing to kind of deliver in terms of you might be listening to this and thinking, well, Niall, you're saying you should be more confident. Well, how the hell do I do that? The answer quite simply is I don't know. So therefore it's probably bad advice. But certainly if you're not (laughs) confident in what you're saying, then there's no way that whoever you're pitching to is going to be on board with it, in my opinion. Yeah. And I think like you said, like that, that confidence is going to stem from your own belief in your ability. Like if you don't believe in what you're doing, then you're not going to be confident, like because you'd feel like you're lying to somebody if you said, "Oh, I can do this the best, I can do that the best, mm. or whatever." Like the com- you might start to see cracks in your confidence because you feel like you're lying, the old mm. you know imposter syndrome thing. But I think if you really do get down and plan the proposal mm. and think about what can you actually achieve for this client, mm. like don't just do it to get the job. Think of it as like opportunities, right? So like, what can I achieve for this client? Mm. What can we achieve together? And then visualize and build the proposal around that and be proud of what you're delivering. And I think that's automatically just gonna give you a bit of uh, confidence. And if anything, excitement as well. Like if you go into a pitch excited to talk about the project, excited yeah. about the possibilities of working with them, that gives off such Smile good energy. Smile when you can. Yeah, exactly, mm. exactly. It gives off such good energy. And if if even if you're maybe you know, not as qualified as the next guy, but you're super excited about working with them and the opportunities that it can bring. And you're not only talking about um, like this specific job, but what could stem from it? Like, you know, don't be afraid to give ideas to them. Like if you've got a load of big ideas um, about what you could do, how you could scale the ideas and scale the opportunities, I, I wouldn't try and like bottle them up and just be like, oh, I can't tell them all my ideas because you know, if they don't pick me, they're just gonna steal all my ideas. It doesn't really matter. Like they're, sure. they're going to do ideas with or without you. You want to make sure that you get all of your stuff out there and on the table. So like, wow, you know, this guy, yeah. you know, he really knows you what he's talking sure about. You want to make sure that those ideas are with you. Yeah, exactly. And, and you just want to get them out there. And as well, I, I'd say as well, like how well prepared you are in terms of the actual presentation. So whether that's a PowerPoint, you know, a video, printed out documents, um, how well prepared you are on that front is going to give you confidence as well. Like you want to make a PowerPoint super visual and super short. Everything you want to do, you want it to be as compact and as simple as possible. You don't want to overcomplicate what you're doing, especially if you're working in a technical t- skill set. You don't just want to run in there and just throw a load of technical jargon at people because if they don't understand what you're talking about, they're just not going to employ you. Mm. It doesn't make you sound mm. big or like super clever if you're like trying to basically intimidate them with your insane amount of knowledge. It's going to annoy them and because they can't really tell what you're on about, they're not going to basically understand, you know, your full potential. So, you want to keep it as simple as possible always. Yeah, I mean another point on top of that would be keep it concise as well. Because you can speak in all of these really long words and have this amazing vocabulary and lexicon where you're kind of letting them know that you're really an intelligent person and you know your onions. But at the same time, if you go on like that for more than 10, 15, 20, 30 minutes, you're going to bore the pants off of them. You're going to really bore them. And 
I think it's important to to kind of exude that confidence, but at the same time, keep it as concise as you can. I'll use an example for when I was a bit younger, um, nowhere near as uh, rated R as your example, JB, but certainly <laughs> from when I was about the same age. I used to do public speaking competitions when I was younger, and the rules used to be um, the speech could be eight minutes long maximum. If you make it around about eight minutes, you get maximum points. Um, but there's no timer. You kind of have to time it in your own head. So you obviously have to work out the pace of your speech um, and how long it would take you. For instance, if, if you time it and it's nine minutes, cut a little bit out. If it's too short, add a little bit on, that sort of thing. So you kind of do your speech and um, you've got your notes and it's around about eight minutes for maximum points. So I went to a public speaking competition. I delivered my speech. It felt around about right, but obviously you don't find out what time you've delivered it in until the uh, end of the tournament. So anyway, this other lad gets up after me and does this speech and he is absolutely amazing. I think this guy has just completely wiped the floor with me and all the other contestants in this public speaking competition. And he started talking about boxing and obviously I'm a sport fan, so I was interested and the way he was speaking about it was such passion, but I noticed he didn't have any notes. He didn't have any cue cards. Like I had some cue cards back then just to kind of remember what I was saying and prompt me. Um, he didn't have any writing on his hand. Some people keep their, their notes on the back of their hand just so they can refer to it. Nothing. Just did it all off the cuff. Anyway, after a while, I think, well, this guy's good, but he's going on a bit. Turns out when he gets to the end of the tournament, he's, his speech was 16 minutes and 25 seconds long. Like, more than double the time. And he ended up getting zero points for it because he was so far over. He was a brilliant public speaker, but he was so far over that he got zero points and I ended up going through to the next round so I was absolutely buzzing but this guy felt so hard done by he was like oh that's not really fair I did it well it is fair mate because it's the rules firstly but second of all it just goes to show if you don't capture these people's imagination or the ju- or the um, the people you're pitching to if you don't capture the client's kind of attention and run with it in the time frame that you've got then they're gonna get bored and I'll be honest as much as I love boxing and sport after 16 minutes and 25 seconds, I was probably a little bit bored as well. So it just goes to show that if you can keep your pitch concise and keep your brief exactly that, brief, but to the point and get everything in there that you need to know, that they need to know, then you're probably on the right line. So that would be another bit of advice from me would be not only try and be a bit of comp- be a bit confident, not only back yourself like you've said, but also make sure that what you do say is concise and short enough that you're not boring them to tears because once you've delivered the same example three or four times in a row they they're going to find they're going to figure you out pretty quickly and they're going to get bored so make sure you're leaving them wanting more rather than wishing that you had stopped 5 10 minutes ago oh yeah 100% agree with that and i think as well well just jumping onto something before we close out this podcast is i, I won't whisper the words again but because of the current uh, situation we're in a lot of these pitches are online now so we just you know we should just touch upon the key points of delivering online pitches and basically I think there's not much to it I think you want to keep it as simple as possible um, everyone now is obviously familiar with zoom um, and skype because of how communications changed but the one thing you really want to do is basically it's so important to test your video test the visuals and test the audio before you get into the pitch 
because you don't <laughs> want to be jumbling and scrambling around like, can you hear me? Can you hear me? All right, can you see me? It's just super unprofessional, especially if you're you know, a younger professional that's supposed to be, they're going to be looking at you like you're supposed to be this tech savvy person, even if you're not in a tech savvy field. So you just want to you know, call your mate, get them to join the call just before or something like that. Just get, hey, are my visuals good? Is my audio good? Okay, cool. And then just set up another Zoom call to go into the meeting afterwards or join those there. And then another one as well, I just learn the basics of the software that you're going to be using. So for example, yeah. on Zoom, how to how to share your screen, how to change the settings so everyone can screen share. Um, if you want to present some stuff, it's also a good idea if you, 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 know, you know how to use some software called OBS and Streamlabs, which is basically mm. screen recorders. So if you made a little presentation and you wanted to demo a video, you can just run through on your computer, screen record it in advance, say, you know, this is this, this is that, this is how that's going to work. And then you can just plug it into a presentation so you know you're going to, like, it's 100% right and you're 100% happy with it beforehand. But those will be my sort of closing tips for um, the pitching online. Is there anything that you would recommend to, you know, people nowadays doing these online pitches? Not really. I would kind of echo what you said, to be honest, is make sure that you've kind of got everything sorted on the tech front as you mentioned zoom and sort of video chatting is becoming a big part of the modern way we don't really know how the future is going to look in terms of meetings um uh, and things like that for instance we record this podcast because you're in barcelona i'm in the uk um, we record this podcast digitally over a web browser but we both know our way around the software We've both got the equipment, um, microphones, headphones to make the, the podcast sound pretty decent. Well, at least I think so anyway. So, you know, to, to make sure that you've got yourself sorted. And again, it all comes into the preparation. But I think it's a really good point that uh, and probably something that a lot of people kind of would, would not really look to. I mean, it doesn't mean you have to buy a premium Zoom subscription or, you know, buy Skype premium or whatever. You don't have to do that. You just have to make sure that you kind of do have a, a solid Wi-Fi signal and you're prepared. Again, it all comes down into the preparation uh, in terms of um, pitching to people I think like we said before smiling being friendly and that goes for the same through a digital platform as well like zoom um, it looked like you're enjoying it look like you know you're you're having fun as a freelancer because that's the whole point I mean that's why we are freelancers is because the ability to be able to work when you want um, for as long as you want and, and kind of pick your own days off we've mentioned this on some of the earlier podcasts we did uh, on the 100k freelancer club so i do think it's important to make sure that you really do look like you're enjoying it you know if you look miserable then that's gonna that's gonna rub off on on the clients it's gonna rub off on the people that you're speaking to so make sure you do look like you're upbeat and you're enjoying yourself even if you're probably not and i think going into every pitch with the same enthusiasm is important as well because soon clients will will find out uh, about you when you've taken on a job and they'll think well he wasn't like this in the pitch um, so I think it's important to be true to yourself as well. Don't put on a persona. Don't pretend to be all, you know, uh, uh, sunshine and rainbows if that's not you as a person. But at the same time, you don't want to be depressing anyone whilst you're speaking to them. I just think it's important to be true to yourself um, and, and, and be in, uh, fun to work with, be enthusiastic and that will rub off on your clients and, and they'll see that. They'll notice that straight away. Yeah, definitely. 100%. So I think on that note, um, this is me being a terrible, terrible podcast uh, host again. But I'll what happened to backing the... yourself? <laughs> <laughs> oh wait, yeah, it's gone um... out the window. <laughs> 
I'm the best podcast host ever. Nah, okay, right. This is this is pro mode right now. Head over to the 100kfreelancerclub.com website. You can sign up to the free course or get your free trial on the course rather, um, which yeah. is going to teach you everything there is to being a freelancer. This is going to take you from zero to hero. Uh, there's a, a fantastic community that we're growing as well. You can talk to me. You can talk to Niall. Um, it mm. is just we just really highly recommend it. We've been working on it a lot, and we'd love it if you go over there as well. Hit us up on the socials. You can go to at 100k freelancer club on instagram and twitter and yeah just get in touch if you've got any questions that you want to ask uh, we'd be happy to answer them on the podcast uh, anything you want to add any feedback we would love it and um, yeah well thanks for listening everybody and you know i've been niall i, I have not been niall jesus <laughs> <laughs> i'm jacob and uh obviously thank you niall uh for today no worries and we'll there's a there's a in- section on podcasting coming up as well on the course so maybe you can have a little run through of that by the time we do the next one then you might be in a <laughs> bit more prepared as has been the message exactly exactly i'll up my i'll up my podcasting uh, skills from the course but yeah thanks everybody and uh, we will catch you in the next one see ya